Hello, everyone, and welcome to 1111 Calling. I'm your host, Michelle Haynes, and today I'm very excited to have with us Bonnie Woodrick. Bonnie is an author of the book, I Understand Pain, Love, and Healing After Suicide. She is the host to the Behind the Smile podcast and a social change agent who is passionate about changing the perception and conversation surrounding mental health and suicide. She founded the nonprofit organization, I Understand, which exemplifies her determination to reduce stigma attached to mental illness and suicide. Welcome, Vani. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I too believe in serendipity. And when we met in Laura Powers podcasting class, I knew immediately that we had purpose for connecting and that we were going to carry on conversation outside that class. So Today's an important day, I think. Um, I, I, I read your book, I Understand, and connected with it very deeply. I, um, I've lost a, a few people in my life um, as a result of mental illness or addiction or a combination. And uh, something I learned in your book, instead of just saying I've lost some people to suicide, is to give really what was underneath that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I really believe in, in talking about the illness and the yeah. act and instead of the act and talking about people for how they lived rather than how they died. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is important. And, and how to, how to navigate the two of those together as, as each, you know, the, how they left us as part of their story, but more importantly, is everything else prior to that really is the bulk of their story. And then there's a little bit with what we do after they've left us that really continues their story, right? Like you had shared about your husband and the ways that he was still in your life and impacting your life and the lives, lives of your children too. So it's, it, it was just, I loved reading the book. It was very easy to read. It was very relatable, even though our situations are a little different. And it was incredibly helpful. You know, one thing I realized is that I need to continue a conversation uh, with my daughter around this because uh, she lost her father at nine and she is now Mm. 16. And we were divorced, so it's a little bit different, um, but still similar all the same. And really the part about parenting a child through that experience is what resonated for me the most. And at nine, she was pretty young. Again, it's hard for an adult to wrap their head around these situations, let alone how how for a child to comprehend them. And at the time I had a lot of people giving me advice. Oh, you can't say anything or you have to tell her everything right now. And neither of those felt right for me. And so I had to sit with it and make that decision myself. And it's a horrible, difficult decision to try to make. And at the time I wanted to be honest in a way I felt was age appropriate and also emotionally appropriate for her because she had been through a lot prior to, um, 
And so I chose to share with her that her father died as a result of mental health and addiction issues. And she asked, well, how does that cause somebody to die? And I said, well, it, it's kind of difficult for your brain to understand that right now. Just like when you were five, you couldn't understand how multiplication and division worked because your brain wasn't ready. And so I thought that that felt right and honest and true. And so from there, it was kind of left at that when she's ready and can handle it, she'll, she'll bring it up to you. And I don't know if that, I have to think about that some more because I'm not so sure that that feels right because um, one, one thing in your book that, that made me think about this is when you said silence can be deadly. And so it's, I don't want it to be this thing that we're afraid to talk about because I am afraid to make the wrong decision. And I will mm -hmm. make some wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so this book has given me a lot to think about. And I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time to read it. And, and I'm glad that it resonated with you. And I'm glad that it gave you something to think about. And more importantly, something that maybe will make it easier for you to talk about with others and especially for your daughter. So I'm so sorry for, for your, your daughter's loss and your loss, because whether you were divorced or not, you have that relationship, you have a child together mm -hmm. and you will grieve, you know, you, you may have grieved the relationship as a divorce, but also grieve the loss of what the future held for your daughter and her dad. So, so there's, um, it's a complicated um, topic. It's difficult to talk about it. And that really is the main premise behind my book is I want to find ways that we can talk about mental health, illness, pain, and suicide easier. Because if we were to talk about, you know, you're afraid to talk to your daughter about it at, at five, or my daughter was five, yours was nine, my youngest daughter was five, and then I had a 12 and 15 year old as well. So I had the different, different ages and, and had to deal with all three of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, but for my youngest, my, my therapist at the time, she said, you don't want her to hear it from somebody else. Yeah. So let's find the easiest way to talk to her at five, that through the years, we can expand on that. So we, we use the word depression because his illness was anxiety and depression. So when we can talk about depression to a five-year-old as sadness, but then we also have to explain that not everybody that is sad dies, but it's the same with any other illness. So if, if your um, daughter's dad had cancer, what would you do? You would talk about it as a family you would get treatment, you would go to follow-up, you would take medication or whatever treatment that is, and then you do follow-up for five years. Why aren't we doing that same thing with mental health illnesses? We're not talking about it. We're sweeping it under the rug. Yeah, I was really surprised at the time, the different approaches and opinions, even mental health and grief facilitators had about the issue. You know, that was part of what was confusing because there really was no set tried and true approach. 
And, you know, you, you said something that came up for my daughter in class, maybe a year or so after, and I'm trying to remember what they were talking about, if it was mental health issues or I believe it was, and she mentioned that her father had died of mental health issues and her teacher, because some other kids were all sharing, you know, loved ones they knew that struggled with mental health. And her teacher jumped in really quickly to say, not everybody that is struggling with mental health issues will die from that. And that was a good point to make. And it also, what you said just a minute ago about being so worried that it's going to come back to her from somebody else has haunted me, you know, and um, more so as she grows older and she, she understands what suicide is. She's seen it either in movies or people have talked about it and she's an incredibly bright young lady. So I believe she, she knows that she's put it together in her head and it's just, too scary to talk about, or maybe she feels like she doesn't have permission because I haven't furthered that conversation. And I feel like it's time to look at that again, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, talking of talking about it takes that fear away. Mm-hmm. Once you get it, get it out and you start talking about it, it's going to take that fear away of having to have that conversation. So another one of my passions is, you know, the narrative and and how we're talking about it and taking some of those stigmatized words out. You know, I don't look at um, my husband didn't kill himself. I look at it as the illness one. And, you know, it's just like the teacher that said, not everybody dies from mental illness. Not everybody dies from heart disease. Not everybody dies from cancer. Not anybody ever dies from the flu, which we've majority of us have had during this COVID season. So, so it has to be talked about in the same vein, in the same way, with compassion and understanding as we do with all other illnesses. Yeah. And that is truly my goal. We don't use the word commit either. Up until 1964, suicide was deemed a crime. It's where that word commit comes in. So we don't say, well, she committed cancer, he committed heart disease. We say they have the illness. So if we talk about the illness, let's talk about mental health, brain health illnesses as their illness. Yeah. By doing so, we can talk about the signs, the symptoms, what people live with, um, rather than sweeping it under the rug. That's excellent perspective. And, uh, you know, another part of this book that gave me pause was, so my ex-husband had severe anxiety. I didn't realize really what that was. He had depression. He had a lot of layers of stuff. He had PTSD. He had childhood trauma. He had uh, closed head injuries. He had addiction issues. He, I believe, had some semblance of, you know, sometimes he was diagnosed with a type of bipolar. There was some disagreement about that, or maybe borderline personality disorder. It was really hard to put your finger on when you had all those different things going on. But the part that I think I really didn't understand was the anxiety part. I knew he had it, but I, I don't think I realized how much that fueled depression Mm -hmm. and how 
how much bigger of a piece that was mm-hmm. until reading your book and, and some of the behavior that you described of your husband's, I was like, oh, you know, the, the smashing things or throwing things and just that impulsivity. I just kind of thought that was him not being disciplined. I didn't tie it to the anxiety or that it was just him being a jerk. And so that was really eye-opening. And I think there could be a heck of a lot more discussion around how much anxiety can play a piece. It's not just somebody being a little nervous or worrying. It's really a deeply rooted mental health issue that Mm -hmm. I, I guess I didn't realize. Yeah, you know, and I think that's why it's the, the the importance of talking about it and talking about it and getting that out now because, you know, we only know what we know, right? I mean, yeah. I didn't know that anxiety, depression had a deadly side effect. However, my husband was fourth generation, so there's also a genetic component involved. So all of those things that your husband was facing at that time, what what the illness was doing to him are all warning signs, Mm -hmm. but we don't know that. We don't know that that behavior could have a deadly side effect and that side effect being suicide. So that's why we have to continue to talk about it because there's, there's always more than one thing, always more in pain, which is why I have the definition petition, because we need to add pain. You know, the, the, definition of suicide is one who intentionally kills himself. Well, it's so much more than that. You know, it's so much more than that. And and again, if we start talking about the illness rather than the act, maybe we can prevent that side effect from happening to our loved ones, or at least getting them treatment and help and support and looking at them in a different way. Because if I looked at things differently, like I do today, after everything that I've learned, there could be a potential that he could still be alive. I don't know, but I like to think that by us having this conversation that we can help the next person and that you don't have to be embarrassed and ashamed if you are having any of those symptoms that you, that you listed. Yeah. There's, there's a huge stigma around it still. And I think I know there are people that were part of my ex-husband's life that to this day will insist he had no level of mental health issues whatsoever. And, you know, denial, denial is such a safe place for people to be because people don't want to think that their loved one is actually going to do that. Well, that is out of their control. The illness takes over the illness wins no other different, no different than any other illness that we can face, but we have to start looking at it like that. And we have to start accepting it and we cannot live in denial because denial puts us back for that, the next generation yeah. or another family member. Right. Right. I think too, sometimes people stay in that place of denial because they don't want to look at some of that family history or look at their own choices around how they've mm-hmm. dealt with that person, which isn't right or wrong, because again, we're dealing from the place of which we're capable of. And so I do think then taking the choices into our own hands to change that narrative is what's important. And right. um, 
it doesn't have to be scary. It, it can be quite empowering now, like you said, because you can change that trajectory or at least try and hope that that you're bringing new light to things that may change going forward, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a, another important thing to remember is that those who are suicidal don't want to die. They want their pain to end. 100%. They want their pain to end and they see no other way out. And there isn't anything around them except for that. And that's where I truly don't even like to, to think that it's a choice. That's where I think that 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 moment was the illness winning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm trying to remember one of the first people I knew that had died this way. And you'd hear a lot of, oh, that's selfish or this or that. And I've always thought, and I don't know why, I think maybe just being an old soul or, or something of that nature, I thought, no, that's not selfish. That, that person was suffering and didn't, couldn't think clearly that anybody who's in that position or attempts or makes that choice is incapable of thinking as rationally as that person who's then looking and judging, you know, you're yeah. thinking, no, they, they can't think clearly. And that is why this has come to this. So I, I do believe that, yeah, nobody wants to die. They also don't want to feel that pain they're feeling and that suffering and mm -hmm. how excruciating. And when Robin Williams passed away, I remember reading that he didn't, it, something to the effect that he wasn't a coward or selfish in that moment, that he was actually so strong because he survived 60 some years of suffering. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then when you think about it that way, you think they, this person could never be viewed as weak for, you know, that moment that they're actually quite strong for having survived so long in such a space of pain. And that, you know, really and I, that, that is such a good point, Michelle, because I think that, you know, especially when we look at Robin Williams, you know, we look at, he was the, the high all the time, yeah. you know, and I think that one thing that we don't realize is so often people that are that high all the time, they don't stay that way all the time, but they can go just as low. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of, of their makeup. That's a part of their illness. And I think that it's another good example of that. He lived with this his whole life. He yeah. lived with addiction and alcoholism and, and this pain. And then he also had physical pain with it as well. But we don't look at, okay, I took care of my husband for several years with his anxiety and depression and trying to manage it and trying to help it through. I'm the caregiver to him, not unlike the caregiver to those that have someone that's dealing with another illness, whatever that is. But people don't recognize that. They look like, oh, it's so shock, it's so sudden and so shocking. But to us, it's been a long road. It's been yeah. a long journey. That doesn't mean we want this to end. We want to be able to support and love because our world is so much better with our loved ones in it than without them. And if we could just show that to them and tell that to them, which we probably did, I know I did, but that doesn't mean that they still haven't. Like I, I say my husband died of a terminal illness, 
there was nothing. He did everything. We did everything except I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know we were fourth generation. I didn't know that suicide had, was a side effect of, you know, depression could be deadly. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why it's so important that we share and we talk about it. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, you know, I don't, I don't know a heck of a lot about my ex-husband's family history. And I'm not sure that a lot of his family would be willing to go there. So I'll, I'll have to figure out how to address that more with my daughter, not knowing that piece. But I've, I've too, like you had mentioned, you're looking for the signs in your kids and, and hoping that you're prepared to support them if and when things come up. And I feel like my daughter and I had done a lot of work around that even prior to her father's death, knowing that there were some issues there and, and, and needing support in understanding how to be in relation with this person mm -hmm. um, who was clearly ill. And so I feel like we've had some support that most people don't have. I don't even think most people are having a conversation around it, let alone getting the support they need. So I think it's great that you've created not only your book, but your organization. And I would love for you to share a little bit more about your organization with our listeners in case they're not familiar. Yeah, with thank you. But first, I just want to say thank you to you, Michelle, because I think that so often you are, you definitely are an old soul because being able to talk to your daughter in the way that you talk to her after your husband's, your ex-husband's death and her dad was miles ahead of even where so many people are, are now. I mean, you're getting it, you're understanding. And as someone that fights for this every day, and when I hear some of the things and how people are talking, I just, uh. so I really yeah. appreciate you recognizing and talking about it and talking about it in the way that it should be talked about. So well, thank you. Thank you. And I, you know, every decision around it, I'm always hoping I'm making the right one, like I said before, and sometimes I won't, and that's okay. And I just hope I get the right guidance. And I feel like I honestly am, am doing my best. And I think that's been pretty good so far. <laughs> and yeah. I look forward to continuing to, to learn more, you know, and mm -hmm. that's what this is about. And I'm very grateful yeah. for that. Well, absolutely. So a little bit about I Understand. I Understand is a nonprofit organization that supports those that have lost a loved one to death by suicide or struggle with a mental health illness. A couple of my passions, which I mentioned, is signing our definition petition and agreeing to take certain words out of our language and conversation surrounding mental health illness. Um, you adding the word pain, you know, we need to talk about pain. Pain comes from so many different places that that aren't associated with mental health illness, like bullying, isolation, financial loss, divorce, devastation, all of these things can cause pain so deep that it gives people suicidal thoughts and, and sometimes suicidal actions as well. So I understand we, I've written the book um, to bring understanding to something so difficult to understand, but that book is now in 54 units throughout the state of Michigan, 574 advocates who go into the homes after a suicide loss now give this book to families as a, as a resource for, for hope and compassion. 
and hopefully bringing them understanding to what's so, so devastating to them at that time. We have also funded the first in the country nurse specializing in mental health in a traditional hospital setting at Helen DeVos Children's Hospital. And we're really excited about that because she's bringing our language and she's training and talking to families about mental health crisis and how we need to talk and how we need to to change that narrative. We also funded a sensory room at the hospital for children at their during their stay on the autistic spectrum that have a um, risk of harming themselves or other, a place of comfort and calm. And now with COVID, the anxiety levels in children have increased so much that the sensory room is being expanded to more children to support and give them some opportunities to learn that their own calming techniques that they can use at home as well. Um, we have a monthly support group. We have a walking group. Um, I just started a new, just started a new campaign. It's called the the wristband project. And these are wristbands. You've probably seen them. You know, like going to a concert or yeah, yeah. You know, but this wristband project I think is really important. And I'm wearing Thursday is well. This is going to be May twentieth, twenty twenty one. Is the first nationwide World Health Action Day, and it's moving on from just awareness to action. What are we doing about it? We're taking action here today by talking about it and informing people, but I'm going to take action by wearing my colors on my wrist, pink for being a suicide loss survivor and blue for living with anxiety. And I'm going to wear it on my wrist and I'm going to tell people, I'm going to show people and we're going to talk about it. So we're hoping um, that that will expand. We have a wear care share campaign. That really is how I understand started simply by wearing a t-shirt, I understand love heals. What does that mean? Um, it shows people your judgment and stigma free and it starts a conversation. And we have so many more things that we do and you can check us out on our website. I understand loveheals.org. Um, follow us and um, hopefully we can bring some more understanding to more parts of the country yeah. um, and all jump on this bad wagon to, to change the conversation and change the narrative. That's great. All of that is wonderful information. And I definitely need a t-shirt. So I'll be hitting you up for that after that. Yeah, I absolutely. Gonna, I'll be happy to send you yeah, one. Yeah. I was going to ask you too, if you have plans for this to expand outside of Michigan and if so, how to get involved with that. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing that anybody can do to expand out of Michigan is to read the definition petition sign it, share it, and start using that language. Anybody can do that. Um, the, we have a pink heart project. I'm looking to see if I have a pink heart in my office here, but it doesn't look like I do. So the pink heart project, I feel like is something that we can um, look, I'm looking on my floor to see if I have one that, that we can. So it's, it's a pink heart stress ball. And what we've done with these is encourage conversation, share your heart, with someone else, letting them know you'll be the one if needed. That is a program that I really would love to go nationwide. Um, we went to 82, we have Big B Coffee. Big B Coffee is a Michigan and, and I think a few other states. We went to 82 of them in September and gave away pink hearts, gave away t-shirts. We raised over $15,000 and um, it was amazing. We encouraged coffee and conversation. 
Invite your friend for coffee, give them a heart, let them know. It's that simple. It takes one person to understand. We also are creating a Be The One training program, which is a video series with a work booklet that comes with it that we feel that we can expand nationwide. And also our wristband project is another one that we're hoping what that takes though. We are such a small organization doing big things. It takes time and it takes funds. So raising funds um, and getting more support will allow us to, to further into these States. And so if people want to support you um, with those funds, is there a place on your website where people can donate? Yeah. I understand loveheals.org donate, look under the donation tab and it's, it's right there. And then do you have any upcoming fundraisers that you are organizing or foresee coming where people might be able to attend or donate that way? Yeah. So we have a couple awareness um, raisers this month and like tomorrow we actually have a dog walk, um, get up and, um, get out and walk for the health of it with your dog. And we're excited about that. And we'll be giving wristbands away and, and, and that's tomorrow. But then Thursday again is, um, which I'm sorry, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but I keep I'm saying, actually May- hoping it'll be May 20th. That's my birthday. And that was my goal. Oh, okay. Well, happy, you. happy birthday. So <laughs> May 20th, you. mental health action day. So take action, you know, anybody can, can do that. But September is our big month for fundraising. And um, September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. And we have in Grand Rapids, Michigan, we have September 10th, World Suicide Prevention Day is proclaimed Pink Heart Day. And we are We'll have, we, we're not sure what it's going to be. Last year, we did a pink heart drive through that was amazing. Um, the years before we've done like the big dinner gala, you know, I'm kind of leaning, we're just racking our brains trying to figure out what can be just as fun and exciting and different as our drive through was. So, but we'll have all that information up on online if you want to check us out. That's great. And I, I definitely I think I'm going to order some extra books and, and the pink hearts and, and try to start there myself personally out here in Colorado. I am a, a Michigander. I was born and raised there. So uh, a lot of in your book, you know, about um, Charlevoix and up that way, we, we have a family cottage on Lake Michigan in Cathead Bay just in Northport. So mm-hmm. I, I, what a small world. I know, I know I have family in Grand Rapids. I grew up in Jackson originally. And um, so, so I, I'm eager to share this outside of Michigan and would like to help do that here in Colorado. So I know I can start little there and then maybe we'll continue a conversation where, where we branch out a little bit more here. I'd love I, to be a I part of that. that. I love that. We also have um, a behind the smile podcast. Yes. And, and that is something that, that can be shared. And I recently had um, Ginger Z from ABC um, news chief meteorologist for good morning America. And she really talks openly about her mental health struggles and her passion to change. But that's a really interesting podcast listening to what people are seeing, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the place that we're showing ourselves, and then really what's going on behind the smile. And the best place to get the book, I understand pain, love and healing after suicide is Amazon. Okay. 
Excellent. And I love your podcast. I've listened to a few oh, things and I love that concept because again, far too often we think we think we know somebody based on this this initial look or or presentation that they give. And there's always more to it. And I love when people can be open and honest and vulnerable and and real. And, and that really draws people to them. And the reason I had started this podcast, a lot of it had to do with the conversations I would have in my hair studio, as I, I joke and call myself a hairpist. But I'd really connect deeply with people. It wasn't about the hair. Uh, a lot of people who are longtime clients, it's about a deeper connection that we've made through our conversations. And I just wanted to continue that here to inspire people to have the courage to be themselves as well as recognize those, those little ways that the universe calls for us to mm. step up into our higher purpose, which I, I feel you have. And I really admire that. And I know that the work that you do is going to inspire others, not only to, to think about and have a different conversation around mental health, but also to have the courage to step into their higher power and do what's calling to them. So mm -hmm. I am super excited for what's going to continue to happen with you and your organization. I'm very excited to play a bigger role in that, even in my day-to-day -day life, you know, outside your, not just in my life with what I've learned from you, how I can then hopefully inspire others. And before we, we go our separate ways today, is there anything else you'd like to share here? Yeah, well, I just um, really appreciate you. And I feel like we're in this together now, girl. You mm -hmm. know, we're going to make some difference together. We can help each other. We can support each other. And I really appreciate your old soul. So, but one thing that I always like to leave people with is that if you're struggling, if you're having suicidal thoughts, help is available. You are, we are not better off without you yeah. and talk to your doctor, talk to a friend, call the 1-800-273-TALK number, walk into an emergency room, do what you have to do for you because you're worth it. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Those are powerful and very true words. Yeah, thank well, you. I look forward to our next connection and continuing this conversation in the years to come. Yep, so I do too. Thanks so much, Michelle. All right, take care. Wow, I am so happy that I've connected with Bonnie in this way today. And I really hope that you all were able to take something away from this conversation that will positively serve your life help you out, inspire you in some way. And I think there's a lot here that if it's not useful for you, probably helpful and useful for someone you know and love. And I wanted to clear something up too. It, it dawned on me when I said that this book, I understand, was easy to read, that that, that statement could be misunderstood. While what I meant is that reading the book, it just flowed with with such beauty and grace. And, and that's really what I meant with easy to read. Um, it, it definitely had some heavy material and material that resonated deeply for me as I have lost 
a handful of people in my life to suicide, sadly. And so there was definitely many a tissue used as I got welled up with emotions while reading this book, but I, I'm really glad I read it. It was very helpful and uh, brought some understanding and comfort and healing for me. And I imagine it did so for many other people. I highly recommend that if you can, to give some support to Vani and her organization. And I also hope that you will, if you are struggling with any type of pain, whether it be from bullying, depression, anxiety, PTSD, whatever it is that may be giving you some sort of emotional pain and difficulty that you'll reach out to somebody and seek the help that you need. We are all needed in this world, our voices, our love, our gifts, and even our struggles, because we learn from each other and from each other's struggles. And so again, I hope that you can find something here today that resonated for you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And if you like what you've heard here on this podcast, 1111 Calling, please tell a friend and have them check it out also. And you can always leave me a review, follow me, share on social media, whatever it is you feel called to do. I wish you well and much love.